So uh, <laughs> I got a break. <laughs> the Connecticut Show. This is Travis Popton, and my name is Terrence Abney. And every Sunday at noon, we are here talking to you about all things New England. Although always with a spin, because Terrence and I are new to New England, so we are looking at New England from a new point of view. We are new comparatively. If you lived your whole life here and you're over like twenty. We're yeah, we've been here long enough. Right. But we still have some we're we're still experiencing things for the first time. That's that's a true statement. Yeah. Not new not quite New Englanders yet. Nobody would accuse us of being New Englanders. Or nutmeggers. No one. Which is you know, that's our next show. We're supposed we are supposed to go back and give the fans a talk about the flags, the mottos, the nicknames. Because that's another one, nutmegger. Don't like it. And in fact, I think we've asked a few people from Connecticut, like, what do people call people from Connecticut? And I don't know that we've ever received, like, an official answer or anything that people universally say, oh, yeah, yeah, if you're from Connecticut, we call you this. Right. Well, Wikipedia has nutmegger as the nickname for people from the U.S. state of Connecticut. The official name for Connecticut is the Constitution State, as voted in 1958 by the Connecticut State Legislature. Uh-huh. However, the Nutmeg State is the unofficial nickname for the state, hence the nickname Nutmegger. It's unknown, but one theory says it comes from Yankee peddlers selling nutmegs in colonial times. Classic. Classic Yankee peddler. Yes, Indeed. Always those Yankees. There was a there was a moment we just cut out from the show, and and it's I think we're both a little bit laughing about it. Yes, indeed. And it's the uh, it's the glory of pre-recording, um, but we just stopped and had a good laugh. And sorry we didn't fill you in on it, but uh, we know a little bit more about the nutmeg state. Right. Yeah. Yankees peddlers. Yankee peddlers. And long story short, with this story. Really think about your nicknames before you start giving <laughs> nicknames. They ain't all good. They're not. They're not all good. There are some. There are some high school mascots in this country that maybe maybe people should reconsider. Indeed. Yeah. In the world, I'm assuming, but definitely in this country. In definitely in the country. Yeah. Don't don't go with it. So, uh, Terrence, catch us up. We are just coming into the third episode of the second season. Uh, first episode we talked about, I think it was just a welcome back. Some of the things that we were coming into last episode, your, uh, wonderful wife came and talked to us about her experience coming to new England. Very cool. Yeah. Sorry about that. Connecticut. What are you talking was, about? That, that was, was our that, best show. That was, that was as real as it gets. That was our best show. And, uh, thank you, baby. Yeah. So this episode we're, we're kind of sliding in and, and talking about a few things that we've discussed before. Um, Indeed. But you and I, just this last week, we both had a museum in Boston. Was yours in Boston? Yes, mine was in Boston. Museum of Science, MOS, in Boston. Now, like in Boston, it seemed like when, because we went to the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. It's a very famous museum. But on our way there, we passed like five museums. And it seems like there's just this kind of art cultural area. Is that an official art area in Boston, do you know? I have no idea, but it reminds me of a lot of these older founding cities that you call them, because Philadelphia is a lot like that. You For the that? record, I don't call them that. 
Terrence pointed at me like I called him that, but I think it's just a general second person statement, right? No, I was pointing. I thought All right, you fine. knew. All right, yeah, I, I called him. Keep going. <laughs> um, New York, if you think about it, a lot of statues. There's a lot of areas like that. So I, I think we're always building statues to commemorate something in the U.S. That's what we do. I think everyone does that. Shaquille O'Neal has a statue. He deserved a statue. And uh, in Salem, there's the 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 witch from uh, what's that? What's that old TV show? Uh, Bewitched. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, statues for everything. Oh wait, you know what my my least favorite fact is? In uh, the Iron Giant, they have that fictional town in Maine, and I didn't yes. realize it was fictional. And at the end, they had this huge statue of the of the actual giant. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my god, I totally want to go there, but that place doesn't exist. So fictional New England has even got statues. Right. Yeah. Indeed. And while we own that, all these statues we're talking about, all this great art, and then Plymouth Rock is... is <laughs> we will always come is, back is a, is to a that. Plaque. We'll always come back to yeah, that. Plymouth, it's the punchline of New England. We are going to go on the campaign to get yeah. something better built there. Someone must have started that campaign. I bet if we Google it for one minute, some kid that was disappointed and said, that's it, we are doing something about this. And, and it must get shot down. I think that people of Plymouth Rock are probably quite proud of the letdown that happens every time people go see that. That, that probably is true. They probably think it's hilarious. They probably <laughs> drive by and see people like, <laughs> pointing out the windows like, thought it was bigger than you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's yeah smug look on yeah. their face sometimes as they go by. <laughs> Come to my restaurant after you're done. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, I I bet there have been campaigns to to try and rectify that uh, that very disappointing situation going on in Plymouth. Indeed. So you went to tell me what museum you went to? Museum of Science in Boston. Um, I went there because one of my classmates had basically had a birthday party there, mm-hmm. but. They were also celebrating Black History Month. So the library had two days on Saturday and Sunday with uh, black vendors, not just black vendors. It was really cool. They had Nesby there, the National Engineering. I forgot the, I forgot the acronym. I'm sorry, everybody. But it's the National en- Engineering Black Association for so en- black engineering for students. Um, also, they had people from just MIT there, these two twins from MIT that are doing research, PhD students there, just talking about how they fell in love with science. Um, a lot of great exhibits. Uh, my my daughter loved it. She was running around, and I think part of that is she was also with other little kids. But um, really nice museum. We didn't really get to visit it like I wanted to, but I think the setup is real cool. It sits over the Charles River, so when you're inside, and you're looking out the back, like if you're in the, I think, what would be the cafeteria? Like the Charles River's flowing right under it. Is there like a glass bottom or is it like a bridge kind of situation? Like how does that work? That would be terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just you're looking out the window and you can see the river. So the river is like you know, from every direction though. If you look to the left, forward, or to the right, you, you'll see that you're over the river at that point. Oh yeah, absolutely. From that, from that standpoint, yes. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but again, great in MOS. You did a great job bringing in Black History Month. And while I'm on that, happy Black History Month, everybody. I hope you are realizing that Black history is all of your history also. 
We're all family. And go learn something. Go learn something. You and I just came back from a, a lecture, and I just want to say, like, from the show, if you've been listening to the show from the beginning, um, it was PWI. Is that what it was? Predominantly white institution? I guess the high school would be that. No, no, no. But, like, um, the speaker dropped PWI and also... Oh, um, yes, yes. Uh, HBCU. Oh, it's so close. I knew you it was HBC, and I was like, what was the last letter? But he he dropped both of those. Yes. And because of this show, I, I was able to follow along. Oh, yes. I thought you were saying the high schools of PWI, and I was like, actually, it is, but we used to use that for universities, but... Oh no, that's that's that, that is true too. But but yeah, thank thank you. Anyone else who's been listening to the show, had you attended that lecture, you would have been totally in the know. Indeed. Yeah. Now it's now it's like a secret. Yeah. yeah. I I just I think we we're doing a lot more good than maybe we give ourselves credit for sometimes. Yeah. I mean, each one teach one, my friend. <laughs> so, each one teach one. Uh, in that same note, I went to. Have you heard of the Isabel Stewart Gardner Museum? I have not. From you. A bit, yeah, but I have not. Besides that, we we drove over here together, so that's probably to the extent. Is that is that was that the first time you'd heard of it? Yes. Okay. So very cool museum. I went met some friends there, and as we're walking in, uh, one of the people was like, "I think I like the museum sometimes more than the actual exhibits." And there's actually a case to be made. It's a really beautiful uh, structure. There's a garden area in the middle that goes like straight up. And so as you're going up each of the floors, you have different perspectives looking down on this garden. And Isabella Stewart Gardner has this like building. She buys this building, her father dies, she inherits all of this money. And she's like, hey, I'm gonna start you know, collecting art. And it's basically, there's no, usually when you go through a museum, there's like uh, the description of the art and the artist. Mm-hmm. But this is just like walking through somebody's house who really likes art. And so there'll be a Rembrandt on the wall. Oh, wow. And you may not know it because there's nothing telling you that that's a Rembrandt. It's just there on the wall. Very cool. Like it, it is really genuinely like visiting someone's house who just really liked art, except very famous for one thing. I was waiting for you to ask me what it was. Oh, I was giving you the drum roll. Oh yeah, so no one's watching, but Terrence did give me a give me a index finger drum roll. Yes, you're welcome. There is a. But let's go back. Go ahead. What's it famous for? <laughs> well done. Uh, there's a heist. There was a an art heist. One of the most expensive art heists in. I'm making this up. I don't know. Uh, How <laughs> about that part? You didn't tell me. So it was they stole. I think up to five hundred million dollars in art. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm I'm fairly confident that's a correct number. You go ahead and Google that while I tell the rest of the story. Um, on Netflix, if you've seen the documentary about this art heist, it's it's there at the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum. And there were paintings that were just cut out of the frames. And if you go to the museum, they still have the frames hanging there without the art. So it's it's kind of... Uh, it's a unique experience to know that somebody stole something very valuable there. And I think it's in the Rembrandt. At least two of them are in the Rembrandt room. So I assume whatever they stole was, was quite valuable. That is correct. In 1990, the FBI estimated the value of the hall at $200 million and raised its estimate to $500 million by 2000. 
That's not a small number. At all. Half a billion dollars in art, in anything, in comic books. Right. Pokemon. Half a billion dollars in any said currency. You're doing pretty collectible. good. Even yeah. with inflation nowadays, not what it used to be, but you're still doing well. <laughs> you're still not hurting mm. uh, with $500 million. They never recover the art. I was just about to ask that. Yeah, no, no one has any. There are some theories, but nobody has any idea, on, and none of the art has been recovered since then. So what'd you do with it? Um that's a tough question. I'll tell you what I didn't get was five hundred million for it. <laughs> Whoever came up with that number was wrong. <laughs> I imagine it's interesting because like if you watch like a show where somebody goes and does some major heist, everyone's right. talking about, oh, these items are too hot. These items are too hot. I can't even buy them or sell them or whatever it is. Right. These items must have been really Oh my gosh, yes. Really hard to sell. Um and so there's like these legends if you watch the the documentary, there's legends of people saying, oh, I saw him in an apartment once, just hanging there. Um, but what's true and what's not true, who knows? Mm -hmm. That said, even without the stolen art, very cool place. Uh, I recommend. Where at in Boston? Probably right next to where you were. <laughs> I don't know. Like, how do I answer that? I don't know enough about Boston to be like, it was, it, it was yeah. there. Well, so you went, I'm assuming you went through some tunnels. You drove, <laughs> came, Actually, back, came back up again in the city, then you went through another tunnel yeah, underground, then you came back up, made a right, then a left, maybe a left and a right. I actually think it was a left and a right, yeah. No, that all sounds very accurate. Yeah. yeah. So for those of you who are not from this area, I would say outside of New England, if you go through Boston, you're going to go through a tunnel. There, there seems to be a lot of them. That's one of the reasons I don't like driving in Boston. You, you, you can't really avoid it, and they have exits. The difference is also, like you go through some tunnels, like New York, Chesapeake, wherever. There aren't really exits you get off. You're just going under there to get to a point. In Boston, there are exits, yeah, several under there, mm -hmm. and it's, it. I always imagine because a lot of times accidents happen at exits. I always wonder like. No, if this does this ever happen here? I bet you it's terrible when that happens, or if that happens. But people in Boston are such good drivers. Probably just yeah, happen. that was probably the whole plan. Like, all right, in normal cities, somebody might get in an accident, but we're in Boston, so we can safely we can safely make these extremely tight tunnels because nobody will ever stall or have any problems. It's just going to exactly. work because we're in Boston. Exactly. I have been in that main tunnel that goes in and out from at least from our from our vicinity from our direction at like two in the morning on a sunday mm -hmm. traffic bumper to bumper like i don't know when there's ever not traffic there right it is whoever designed it really designed it to be 24-hour traffic it's impossible to like go through there on any and any time of any day are you even underwater in those i don't know i have no idea that's what I was wondering. It's because it's got to be my least favorite tunnel to drive through. You tell the legends of the one that's like underwater for like two miles or something. Oh, Chesapeake Bay Bridge and Tunnel, yes. So I haven't done that, but I've got to say, having not done that, my least favorite are those tunnels going into Boston. Yeah. yeah. See, but those are the same. Those are just, it's just a long bridge and a tunnel and you're going under the Chesapeake Bay when you go under there. In mm -hmm. Boston, I'm not sure, are we going under the Charles River? 
Are we going under anything? Or is it just a tunnel, just to be a tunnel? Because somebody thought, you know what? <laughs> we got this city here. You know who it was? It was the same person that did Plymouth Rock and they drive by <laughs> and chuckle. They also did those bridges into Boston. They're still smiling. They're so proud of themselves. <laughs> it's the Plymouth, Plymouth Rock and Bridge Company. Yes. So someone's having a laugh about those tunnels because somehow 24-hour traffic and, and it's uncomfortable. Like it's, it's not a fun tr- tunnel to drive in through. Not at all. I agree. I usually go around actually for that reason. I'll try and find some other way into Boston because I generally just hate getting stuck in those tunnels. I'm impressed that you say that because of your sense of direction. Your own admitted sense of direction not being great. I'm surprised you decided to do that instead of going straight GPS, take me where I need to go. Terrence and I were driving. We There's there's one of my favorite food trucks in the world here <laughs> at Yukon campus. And we we came to get a sandwich one morning. And I was like, Terrence, how do I get out of here? And it, mm. like, how many times have I not only been on campus, but been to that specific food truck? And Terrence like, I mean, I mean, you could go left or right, Travis. It, right. Just, it just doesn't yeah, like home, home, home is, is right, right behind us. <laughs> Home is right behind us. Nobody, nobody would accuse me of having any sense of direction. But the reason I can try and avoid that bridge is because Siri always gives you, if you do Apple Maps and Google Maps, they always mm-hmm. give you the three different ones. And if you're willing to go 15 minutes out of the, the way, then you get there. So mm-hmm. it's not any strategic uh, design of my own. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds yeah. good. So Ida. Ida. How long does it take to do this museum, to get through this museum and... Anything else interesting about it? So it's the it's the three stories, mm-hmm. and they manage it pretty well. There's some people there. So what was interesting is it's tight enough that it's one of those places where if you're gonna have a backpack or you're gonna have a coat that's too big, if your coat's too big, they'll ask you to check it because they don't want you knocking over anything. Right. And if you're gonna carry a bag, you have to carry it in front. And if you think you only have to carry it in front to get in, and then no one will pay attention. There are people, like there are people watching, and as soon as your bag goes to the side, someone's gonna be like, excuse me, can you hold that in front? Um, And they have it like, as you go to each section, there's somebody who will only allow so many people in each exhibit, Mm -hmm. so it just doesn't become uh, overcrowded. So they do a really good job of managing uh, flow, making sure that you have time and space to appreciate the exhibits. And it's it basically wraps around like a three-story experience and then you come back down and each room is unique sometimes they have um, art from different countries and the rooms are are, sometimes there's one room that's just this massive looks like a medieval hall with the fireplaces that are taller than you and just really beautiful and gaudy at the same at the same time Um, but no it's just this woman's art it's it's so fascinating because it's just what she wanted you know it's not like there's... That's true, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> there's there's not like some, oh, and there are themed rooms, but it's not like, oh, this is the room that you experience in this way. It's just like, and then she liked this art in this room. Right. Yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a very unique museum. Then she left it to us, and then somebody stole some. Yeah, I think there and was some... And she still has... I'm assuming millions of dollar millions of dollar dollars of art in there. Oh, there's so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't. They they didn't even touch the amount of art that's in there. So, so she did this in like 1901. I think she started letting people in in like 1903. And then when she died, 
um, she created an an endowment for about a million dollars. And in it, she stipulated that the charge of her collection be permanently exhibited for the education and enjoyment of the public forever. And so as long as they did that, they, it was left to them. I believe a story I heard while I was in the museum was if they don't keep everything exactly the same, like I don't think they're allowed to bring other art in. It's just what she collected. And if they change that, I think she has to give it, or they have to give it to somebody else. Wow. So there's like stipulations in the will that are very strict of exactly how it needs to be maintained in order for them to keep ownership or whatever. I don't know what you really get from having it, but there you go. Good stuff, good stuff. Yeah, I will say the Museum of Science in Boston it seems significantly bigger than the Science Museum in Hartford, the Connecticut Science Science Museum. I mean, uh-huh. it is, it was huge. Um, I think if you have kids, I think you'll love it. There's just so many things there to do. They have a, they have an exhibit talking about the ice and really talking about what the ice captures. It's kind of scary. Like, we got to stop messing up the planet, y'all. Seriously, this, this is getting out of control. <laughs> um, but, but it really ta- it has stories about how when we start really first using gasoline cars and it was lead in the gasoline. It was like you could see like le- the lead levels in the ice in places go up. And then, of course, when we stop using lead, you start seeing, the, seeing it go down. The lead levels go down. But the point of that was it's all trapped in the ice. So you and they were saying like so like when you go to Antarctica and all these places you have all this history and these layers of ice just like they talk about with you know when archaeologists do their digs and they say you know there's all these levels right so that it's just just amazing to hear them explain it and, and you know they tie a lot of stuff into environmental concerns and trying to educate the to educate the kids but it was it is a great place to take your kids um, and. I think adults, a lot of adults have a good time also. Is it specifically a children's museum? I would say no, but it is definitely designed to be, to capture kids. Right. Because it's one of them places where I can see, I'm assuming, I didn't see the price scales there and how they charge, but... I'm certain they probably have one of those deals to where you can get a summer pass and keep bringing your kids back. Right. Because that's how the one in Connecticut is. Um, so I'm assuming so, but it's really, it's really targeted towards, it's, I would, it's like, you're right. It's targeted towards kids, but I think adults could go and, you know, learn a lot and do things too. Cause some of the stuff is just probably a little bit above kids heads. Um, they have all these exhibits of dinosaurs also, which of course, you know, a lot of kids love dinosaurs. Going north. Going north. No, I, I, yeah. So we're we're here in Connecticut. If you're heading up to Maine, going to Maine, Connecticut. I think just by nature of being so close to New York and being between Boston, has some fantastic museums. Massachusetts has some amazing museums. As you go north, and I'm I'm shooting from the hip here. I would imagine those numbers drop significantly. 
I would guess so too. I've never heard of anyone going to New Hampshire or Vermont, say, for Museum a specific. Of Maine. Yeah, haven't heard of them. And I'm I'm sure they have them. I'm sure they're amazing. Nope, I just googled it. <laughs> he did not. <laughs> there's no there's no museums in Maine. There's, there's I'm telling you, no museums in Maine. Um, it's just interesting. I I I would think that going north, um we would probably not have a monopoly per se, but I would say from Massachusetts to New York, this is the area where you would expect to see more, more, I would even say art, um, more art museums. Um, and randomly too, when I first came here, I think it was in Avon and we were looking, you know, at different houses and different places and different neighborhoods we may want to live. And I remember the real estate agent, like just pointing at a house He's like, yeah, that's a museum. And we're just in a neighborhood. He's like, yeah, they got a Monet there. And like, we just went around the corner and it was just as casual as anything. I feel that's very much Connecticut. Just, yeah, Jim lives there and he keeps $100 million of art in his front room and you right. can come see it on a Wednesday. That Thanks, that Jim. seems to, yeah, thanks. <laughs> that seems to dissipate uh, as you go further toward toward Maine and Canada. Yeah, like I said, Maine has no museums. Like Wiki you're seriously Googling? Wikipedia, you all. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> just joke. Sorry, Maine. We love you. Bangor's got to have a museum. Portland's Portland, got to have museums. Portland has a museum. Yeah, Portland's a lovely There's town. Portland Museum of Art. There's the Farnsworth Art Museum. You know, if y'all know Farnsworth, he used to be with Diddy. Victorian Mansion. Oh, that sounds Isles cool. Head Transportation Museum. And that Farnsworth was, is not really the Farnsworth Bentley from Diddy. Y'all, that was a joke. It was a joke. Sorry, Fonsworth. You're going to get us in trouble. Yeah, you know, all these people get upset about their names. No, but like, oh, I you? think I think we purposely say things like there's no museum in Maine, hoping that we make one listener so mad that they finally come on the show. <laughs> like we're still waiting for that one guest who wants to come and like rebut everything we, we said We stop wrong. it too soon. We just, we got to keep it going. Yeah. Maine, you have no museums. No New museums Hampshire, you have none. None. Vermont, your syrup stinks <laughs> you go too far sir <laughs> you've gotten too far no connecticut knows maple syrup none of the new england states that's here. so funny is there is there a is there a contention is there like a some sort of battle for who has the best syrup in new england i don't think so i wouldn't think so who would you guess like if you're like oh my god you got to get maple syrup from what state would you say? I just assume they're all the same as soon as you hit Connecticut up to Maine. That alone, I bet, is gonna get someone on this show to rebut. But I got a lot I got a lot of people here who well, I know some people here who actually do their maple syrup here also. So I'm assuming it's it's big everywhere. But who has the best? I mean, what do you does that go by what sugar you put in it to make it sweet? I don't know. I've no idea. Yeah. One thing I do know is the maple syrup in New England it's not as near as good oh, here as the go. maple syrup in California or South Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> this is truth. And if anybody disagrees, you have to come on the show to, to challenge the very valid claim that California has the best maple syrup. Yeah. No, and I'm, South Carolina. And South one Carolina. One A and one B there. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know how long we're going to maintain that joke but um, <laughs> we'll come full circle we'll come full circle we um back in the back in the day we'd made some promises that would go north i'm thinking of um of finally going 
going up to uh if you're not seeing the popcorn vendor i don't want to hear about it that's what i'm talking about oh i think i might go up to burlington vermont burlington vermont this week so next next week hopefully if this person is here uh and i read i read up on them that it all depends on the weather and the weather is not very kind in the middle of february so we'll see if this is a thing uh, but I was thinking of going up to uh, Burlington, Vermont, and and finally talking to that popcorn vendor. So maybe, maybe we'll next episode we'll have a, a short clip of a, of an iPhone recording of a conversation with a popcorn vendor. What are you gonna start the conversation off with? That's a good question, Terrence. How do you start? Because you are wait, wait. No, I need to tell you this. We've seen each other what twice this evening. Yes. The number of people you spoke to. In, in, we'd say, a three-hour period of time. 30? 40? No. You're so wrong. You're so making this <laughs> I up. I do not remember talking Terrence, to people. Terrence is like, we're both going to the same studio. We live in the same neighborhood. So Terrence is, is literally driving by my house, and um, I'm pulling out. So we're like, well, we should just go together, right? Terrence calls. He's like, hey, do you want to just go with me? I see that you're behind me. I take, by the time I hang up that phone and get into his car, he's on another call, committing to somebody, not just on a call like, hey, how you doing? But he's he's like, yeah, I've got time for that. And I'm wondering this whole time, like how do you have time to do anything? Because you you talk to someone every, what, 30 to 45 seconds. I imagine <laughs> on each of those calls, you are making some commitment. No. No. I say no a lot, like I told you. I say no a lot and that's probably why I miss things sometimes because I overbook. However, my Morehouse brother called. We want to do a program with MLK. As some of you may know, MLK, like many other Southerners, came up to the North to pick tobacco. Connecticut was one of those states. So they want to talk about how, talk about that connection there with MLK and his connection to Connecticut. I don't know the whole program yet because I just got told about it, but I'm excited to hear about it. Thank you, my brother from Morehouse for including me and I'll let you know more about it. Go on. Yeah. Well, like, I, that's, so, that's all I know right now. That's, I just got, this is like fresh out the press. I don't even know if I'm supposed to be telling you all this. But we, we were doing something with it on the show, right? Like you can't have something in this. Yeah, hey, one, once I know more, I will be talking about it on the show frequently. I want everybody to come. So this is this is something that's happening, and and maybe it's too soon. Trying to get it started, we're trying to get. Give me give me the signal if I need to stop asking questions about this. But well, I'll just say I'll know eventually because what I, what happened? Oh, that was the signal. All right. Oh no, I was saying go ahead. That was the go ahead signal. <laughs> what? Tell me the the backstory. What was the history? What's the tie with Connecticut? Like we we just touched on that. That's super interesting. Oh, the tobacco. Yeah. So MLK like other people from the South used to come up and they pick tobacco to make money. So they're going to do, try to, try to do a highlight on I didn't even know this. Experience. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know anybody did this. Yeah. Huge farming state. I don't know all of the history. I'm going to learn doing this also, but. And so what is the, and, and I, again, I know that you don't know many details, but what is the program? Is it something where we'll be inviting the public, um, or is it, what is this? 
when I, when I know more, I'll let you all know. All right, all right. More I think to come. we can invite the public. We want people to be as educated as possible, especially during this month and at all times because it is Black History Month. Um, Started by the grandfather or the founder of Black History, Carter G. Woodson. He made it in February because it was Abraham Lincoln's and Frederick Douglass's birthday. And it was made into a month later on. And that's just a little bit of history behind Black History Month, which all of you should be celebrating because we're all family. We got we to gotta do a lot of healing in this world, you all. We just came from something about being anti-racist. Got to do better. Got to do better. If not for yourself, for your children, we're killing each other out there. It's sad. Very, very sad. Yeah, I'm sorry to get on that point. We, we're way off of museums right now, but. Yeah, but we're, on, we're in Connecticut. In Connecticut. Fair game. Uh, you should have your friend on the show. We should talk about it. We should make it a whole segment. And in fact, why don't I just be live in uh, Vermont and you two can run the show and then you'll be like, and now we're going to Travis and I'll be like, hey, I'm getting some popcorn and whatever you were talking about will just totally be off to the side because I'll suddenly be with a popcorn vendor. But uh, that yeah. would be pretty cool. I, I want to know more about the program. I want to know everything you know. As you, Jeffrey as you... O, come to the show. Jeffrey O, come to the show. I didn't mean for that to rhyme, but I am a poet and sometimes I don't know it. You get it? I you missed do. that. Missed that, didn't you? Terrence, there are times. All your fancy writing. You where, missed, you, you missed that, didn't you? Where you genuinely make me laugh, probably more than anybody. And then there are those. Then there are those which take years off of my life. You loved it. I, I, I love you, you man. <laughs> but there's some of those jokes. I, I can tell. I can tell by that look in your eye. All right. So, um, so we we gotta find out more about that program. Um, I will go and try to get oh. this information from the. Oh wait. Wait. I was a little wrong. So it wasn't just MLK because I, I said the tobacco thing because I know that my mother told me she she had friends and knew people who came up here to do do farm work in the summer times. But this was actually in 1940s. A group of Morehouse College students came up from Atlanta to work on tobacco farms in Connecticut's Farmington Valley as part of a tuition assistance program. Even in Simsbury, an overwhelmingly white New England town, those two summers were a far cry from the overt segregation of oppressive Jim Crow, Crow laws back home. For at least one of the students, a teenage Martin Luther King Jr., the experience would help shape his life and by extension the course of history. That is from the New York Times. So Saving it was the a, Forgotten Connecticut Farm that helped spark MLK's dream and helped help open up the world for a teenage Martin Luther King Jr. to, to the world beyond the Jim Crow South. That's that's amazing. I know none of this. Yep. That's courtesy of New York Times, a clip. Um, so it said it was for, for helping out with tuition. Is that as simple as saying they people would come up here and work the farm and take that money and put it toward tuition? Or was it like actually, and <laughs> I know you were just reading this, but like was it actually a program that worked with certain colleges or universities? And you're just, we're, we're going to find out more. We're going to find out more. Questions like that indeed, to indeed. come. Answers to come. And it's amazing. I, I think this stuff is amazing because we talk about escaping the prejudice of the South and the overt racism in the South. And you're coming up to pick tobacco in the North. And even if you look at 
things now in Connecticut, where they came, Connecticut is one of the most segregated places in the U.S. Right. And just, I mean, look at where we live versus, oh, there's, there's clear, as we said this before, there's clear railroad tracks of this side of town. Um, you, you hear clearly when you first come here, hey, don't go there. And if you go there, you see the people that live there. They're black and brown. The school systems here, by far, some of the most segregated. The school systems need incredible work. And this is what we were talking about earlier. Like, we talk about being anti-racist. Like, it's incredible work that's to be done in the schools so that they have good representation and people in there who really want to change the school system so it's really benefiting all students and so that all students are valued and that's that all, so that all abilities are able to learn. And so I think that's just a funny dichotomy they're painting. Like, you came from the South, but right. this is these problems. And as we know, I think a lot of people know that these this problems everywhere. You know, the soiling the soiling of old glory. That that happened that happened here in New England. So, again, I always find it interesting just being a Southerner myself when the pictures are painted. Of, and I'm not saying a racism was not overt there and that there's not work to be done. Lord knows we've seen the news now and the stuff in Florida and the banning of books. And as the speaker was saying today, you, you say equality in a lesson, you know, you might, you might be getting in some trouble down in Florida. Or if you say, or if you say black or critical race, it might, might shut you down. So again, there are there are shortcomings everywhere, but I just think here it's just funny how for this to be the escape, right? How how we're still really not that far. How this attitude? I mean, it just goes back. That's how that's how pervasive racism is. It's not just a prejudice. It's not just one person not liking somebody. Like it's so ingrained institutionally and into the, the fiber of our being in America. Uh, and again, I digress. We're way off museums now, but <laughs> again, I think, uh, no, I think we're okay. You keep going. Now I, I just think it's amazing. And just, you know, so looking forward to hearing more about this. I thank my, my brother for inviting me to be on it and, you know, we'll talk about it more on the podcast. Yeah, no. And, and sincerely, let's get him on the show if he's willing to come. Let's do it. How interesting is this? This is a whole show. Uh, I can't be the only person living in Connecticut that does not know about this history. Yeah, but I doubt it. And then again, I just told you I knew I knew very little, mm-hmm. except the fact that it happened, and I just googled it myself. So though, to be fair, Terrence, you you said it very matter of factly, like as we were coming here, and I was like, "So you just committed to somebody else?" And you're like, "Yeah, yeah,", yeah. and then. You mentioned the the just casually mentioned the tobacco farms in Connecticut, like like it was just common knowledge. And I was like, uh, yeah, no, I totally know what you're talking about because <laughs> otherwise I'll feel dumb. So um, it it seems like new territory for a lot of people. I think this is a history that that would be very interesting yeah. for one of our shows. Now I definitely definitely get back on it and tell you more about it. And you know, this is what our journey is about in New England, right? Learning more, learning the connections to different people. You know, worldwide, but especially for me and you being Americans, learning more about this area as we're as we're here and the 
the years we've been here now. I, I do feel a little bad because that's the information that you'll be bringing to the show and I'll be talking to a popcorn vendor. But I, I feel like my contribution is just as valuable. All of it is valuable. <laughs> All of it is valuable. I won't be bringing it if I can get if I can get this guest speaker on. Oh, come to the show. If I can get this speaker on, I think he would he would bring a lot. He can he can definitely bring it. Good good dude, good brother. So All right. Let's get him on the show. Terrence, we are probably going to wind down a little early. We talked about it at the beginning of the show. We just did the two museums to cover this week. We don't want to unnecessarily just talk about things for the sake of talking about them. Although, I mean. Although we have. <laughs> we we may have done that in the past. It's hard to remember. Who knows these things? Yeah, this is only the second show. So. <laughs> um, we're, getting, we're getting better. So, but as we're, as we're going out, clearly a shout out to Bon Bon Vivant, but. Any any last things we need to consider before we move on to uh, episode four next week? I got four free tickets to the Museum of Science. Do you so, really? Are we giving away tickets? No, that's not what I was about to say oh. at all. <laughs> like, this is our first giveaway. This is so exciting. We're not at that level yet. <laughs> but if the Museum of Science would like to give us some tickets to give out to our listeners, I will gladly do that, but I don't think they're, they're there. But I was going to say, I'm taking the family back to do a full tour one day and I'll come back and give a report. Same way I'm going back to the Big E with the family and All I'm right. going to give a report. What is this museum? Say it one more time. Museum of Science. Tell you what, Museum of Science. We are going to give away four tickets. We are Whether they give us the four tickets or we we acquire four tickets next week. Listen to the episode next Sounds week. Sounds like Travis is buying four tickets. It, it might be me buying four tickets, but I feel like after that, after that lead up, how do we not give away four tickets to the Museum of Science? You so, can see the robotic dog. You can see the robot. Oh, really? From uh, from Boston Mechanics? Is that what it's called? I'm not sure, but it's a dog with no head. Okay. It's crawling up and down the stairs. It was it, That was pretty cool. Scary. Was that, it's not Boston Mechanics. Boston... Something. Oh man, that's that's cool. That's worth going for. Everyone has seen these dogs on YouTube, and they have like, have you watched this at all? It's terrifying. Uh, my daughter, who by the way is fascinated with robotics now, but when she was a kid, like, would be really upset because it looked like robots were just going to take over the world. It was mm -hmm. a little bit creepy to all of a sudden see these robotic dogs walking she, the way. Not far off. Yeah, <laughs> but they now have there's like YouTube videos of, um, like humanoid robots same company mm. that like synchronize dance and everything and and they do gymnastics and like flips off of uh different um yeah no as soon as those are the cops of the future i don't know what we do i don't know it's a it's a terrifying future um unless they what's the first rule of racist robot cops <laughs> maybe it's maybe we'll be a little bit probably should do some educating on whoever's developing the ai for that but um that's yeah that is the future though it's it's quite terrifying and that's phenomenal if it's there at that at that museum because i wondered <laughs> where you could go you could actually buy the dogs there i don't know what you would do with them i would have to see what you're talking about because this is this is like a just a row it's not it's, yeah i have to see what you're talking about now you got me interested definitely going back what is your robot dog you're talking about it was it was a a robot it was climbing up and down stairs and it'll stop and it'll do a little spin, turn back around. They just more or less when I was there had it walking back and forth over the stairs and you know, interacting with the fans there. Well with the 
Okay, is this okay? I'm I'm pulling it up. It's Boston Dynamics, not Boston Mechanics. Is that the dog? That is the dog, with no head, like I said. Yeah, no. But occasionally, okay, and it's super creepy. I want to show you this picture. Occasionally, they put that head on, and it can open up doors. Like that head will like just go up and find a door and open the doorknob, and then just keep going. And it's all it's all AI. Like it's not even controlled. It's automated, and it's 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 a little bit terrifying. But you can buy these. That's great. And I'm not sure what you would do with them, though. Like, they're so cool, but once you had one. It's a terrible, it'd be a terrible guard, though, I gotta tell you that. I don't know. But maybe, who knows? I don't know. I got nothing. Tell you what. Doesn't seem impressive now if you can buy it, though. It's only impressive if you can't own it? Yeah, it's in the museum. Uh, Sure, but Boston Dynamics. You can't buy dinosaur bones. You probably can. But well, Boston Dynamics steal them is, from the Idawell, Ida Stewart Gardner Museum. You know, Isabella. Isabella, Isabella yeah. Um, <laughs> Boston Dynamics is one of the leading robotics companies in the world, though. So anything they're doing is super interesting, even if you can buy it. All right. Hmm. Although I think they were just sold. And I think they're actually leaving Boston. So I think they're going to Plymouth. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, all right. So with all that said, that's super cool. Next week, tune in. Terrence and I are going to come in with this contest for how we're going to give away four tickets to the museum where you see the robot dog, which you could buy on your own if you so chose. Uh, so that's exciting. Next week's episode. Hopefully we have the interview with the popcorn vendor. This is all I've, I've not talked to him. I'm just going to show up with a mic and, and be like, hey, see what we can get there. Let's do it. And then we need your friend to come in and give us all of the background on whatever this program is, or at the very least, the history. Uh, so let's see what we could do to get them in next week. Let's big big show next week. Let's do it. I'm ready. You excited? I, I honestly, there's that. That's the most we've ever had for show content, besides our plucky attitude. Well, that's Which, good enough. <laughs> that's good enough. Honest. Why are you really tuning in? It's the plucky attitude, isn't it? So. All right, uh, Terrence, we have a lot planned for next week. Uh, it was good seeing you this week. Last week we had Velda, which was fantastic, and um, we're off to a great second season. We already have guests. Totally different experience than last season. Yeah, we we struggled to get guests. I do want to thank my lovely better half again for doing that. It was awesome. I, and if you bring in the guest next week, it will be all you. Like you're just going to suddenly take over that responsibility. And, and you could just tell me the day before who's coming in. That'd be perfect. I want to get content creator. Go on. From kidogo.tv to come in and talk about her initiatives. Do you know this person? Yes. That's who was at, that's who was at the Museum of Science. That's whose daughter had the birthday there. While you're talking to her, see if she can get four free tickets to give away <laughs> on the show. <laughs> Because somehow we have got to acquire those tickets. Um, absolutely, make that invite as well. Indeed. So we're trying to get you all out. And most of all, you know who we really want to hear you all? We want you. Yeah. Let us know if you want to come on the show or not. Give us a shout out at our email and at our blog site that we have started writing but haven't put it on the blog yet. But yeah. we're going to get there. And and on that note, shout out to Dave Nagara, one of our listeners. He's the one that back in the day actually recommended that we go meet that popcorn vendor. Um, there's actually someone who has who takes takes issue with some of the things you've said about the South, and I've invited them on the show, and they were like, "No." 
they take issues with what I said about yeah, the style. Yeah, they're like, hey, just passed on to Terrence that I've got some issues with uh, with some of the ways that he's, especially, I guess, have you said anything about Texas? No, right? Yeah. I, they, I don't remember if it was Texas or Atlanta. They but don't have Texas? I, I don't know. You said something wrong, something that caused a stir. But still, yeah. not enough, not enough to get anyone here. But I think the maple syrup trap that we planted earlier, I'm pretty sure that's going to get someone here finally. Yeah. I'm a I am a southerner by heart, so, <laughs> so love it or leave it. That was great. Just a shrug. If uh, if you disagree, eh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying. <laughs> that's great. All right, uh, let's uh, let's wrap up. Shout out to Bob Malvavon, Dave Naguera for uh, for giving us the guest recommendation. With uh, with that said, I'm Travis Poppleton, and my name is T Ab. And uh, this is That Connecticut Show. All right. Y'all be good. Love y'all.